0: This week on The Clubhouse, we continue our stadium series as we head to the Mile High City to break down Coors Field, the home of the Colorado Rockies. Anthony is currently touring the country with his hit Broadway musical, If Then. Go to ifthenthemusical.com slash tour to find out when he's coming to your town. Over the next several months, Anthony and I will be dedicating one episode to every single team, and we'll be discussing why we think you should visit each and every one of their home ballpark. We are also going to include episodes from my rounding third podcast, which features interviews that I did with fans that I met as I made my 17,000-mile drive across the country to attend a ball game at all 30 stadiums. There are also some truly amazing guests that we have lined up for our more regular episodes that we will be dropping every couple of weeks or so. Make sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes for free so that you never miss a wonderful guest. This episode was recorded in the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is a wonderful day for baseball. I'm Manish Jane, and sitting next to me, you know, what, not as always, because you're not always sitting next to me. So, sitting next to me, as he often is, is Mr. Anthony Rapp.
1: Well, you mean like always in your life? I'm yeah, not exactly. To- oh, well. <laughs> you're not always sitting next to me. Yeah, but you're getting very literal, <laughs> Manish, very literal.
0: <laughs> oh, who's talking? You're, you're the literal Larry of the two of us, I, That's I, I believe. Probably true. <laughs> So on today's episode, we are going to be discussing the Mile High uh, Stadium, Denver. Not,
1: not called that anymore. No, not called that it's anymore. not.
0: But it is a stadium that sits a mile high. They have seats that uh, demarcate when you are a, a mile high. And that is
1: Coors Field in yes. Denver, Colorado. One of my favorites. I think we agree on that one. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous stadium. And it's giant, but it still somehow doesn't feel like too crazy big. It's, I don't know how to describe the scale when you're sitting in the stands. It, I guess it's more vertical than spread out. Yes. So, yeah, you still feel like you're among the people and not just in this huge thing. I don't know if that makes any sense. No,
0: it does make sense, actually. Because I, I, I. that's a very good point. Because that place is massive. They. Um. You'll actually hear uh, in, in the rounding third segment of of this episode you'll hear my uh interview with bruce uh, hellerstein who was involved with the building process of uh uh coors and they made that stadium comically large just enti- entirely too large because they were super super excited uh for professional baseball to be back in colorado and they they overbuilt and so now the the uh Upper decks oftentimes remain completely empty and and tarped off because it's impossible to sell fifty thousand seats to eighty one games a year uh, in Colorado. But it does feel pretty intimate. It does feel pretty. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because you're surrounded by the mountains and so you've just got oh, it's this. Oh, so beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. You're just the the the, the views that you're seeing there yes. are are amazing. Uh, so you, I think if you feel you're you're just sitting in beauty, which you know in in, in nature. You know, and then that part.
1: It's so one of those things too. I know I talk a lot about things being, keeping things simple. There are, you know, a number of things like on the, one of the, I guess it's, I don't know if there's two upper decks, if I remember correctly, but on one of the upper decks, they've, they've taken out seats and they put in like a bar restaurant. Yep. And, but somehow the design of it all, it's not like super gaudy eye catching. So it still feels of a piece and it, because it's higher up, it's not distracting from the baseball. So it feels like... Yes,
0: yes. It's not in your eye line. It's not in your... When you're watching the game, you're not... Be, I think, you know, one of the reasons why I think you bring it up, which is, you know, tr- very true, is is Anthony had a, a not-so-great experience in Milwaukee. And because in Milwaukee, at, <laughs> at uh, Miller Park... You don't say. Yes. At Miller Park, their advertising is all eye-level, and it's all very um uh in your face and yeah. just very and so when you are watching the game it's hard to kind of not be distracted by by something like that. And so I think you're right. When some of these products have it a little bit higher up off the field, it's you can look at, you know, it's fine. We all need advertising, we get it, blah, blah, blah. But try not to take away from the experience of just watching the action on the field.
1: Yeah. So that's the and and the field itself, I mean, it was beautifully my memory of the grass, you know, and it's, it's such a wide, huge, long outfield. (laughs) It's such a, it's gigantic. So that grass has to be good. And it was great. You know, the, the, it was beautifully kept. Um, And I think we remarked on that, like, I don't know if how much of the live game you have on the episode that you cut together, but it, you know, it was a mid season game. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the, the Rockies, have continued to struggle they had like that little blip in the late 2000s where they they contended and now 08, you know yeah. they're 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 struggling you know to for for contention in a in a tough NL West and yet and the and you know it wasn't like sold out the game we went to but the people who were there it seemed very engaged and very happy to be there and and supportive of the team and it, you know I, I, I always liked that. There was a good feeling in the ballpark of of engagement and enjoyment. And, you know, Denver is a very cool town. Yes, in my it is. Experience. It's a very relaxed, cool, like open, you know, crunchy granola kind of place <laughs> in some ways. Um, although they do love their meat, man. When we were there with the tour, you go into, <laughs> you go into any restaurant and like all the vegetable sides are like with bacon and wild boar. And yeah, you know, got to read those menus very carefully for vegetarian. But, um, uh, so for all that, because they're, you know, it's like outdoorsy and people like to hike and it's the ballpark just feels of a, of a piece with all of those kinds of experiences. And well, it does. Like and I can't,
0: I'm pretty sure we did Denver after we did LA, um, Angels. Yeah. yeah. And if you and, and the one thing that you, you remarked on in Angel Stadium of Anaheim is they have uh, uh, some foliage in their <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> in their uh, center field. And well they have that
1: fake rock formation yes, though.
0: That's that's basically what I was I was referring to. It's it may not be as genuine, but in Denver, they do have some beautiful trees and, and they're, uh, what they call their rock pile there in center field and indigenous to the area and yeah, rocks and, and that's it, the it, an not yes, yes, and it doesn't feel forced it feels once again it really you know you go to so many different ballparks that sit in uh, the cities because it does sit in downtown it is in lower uh, downtown uh, Lodo I believe they call it Lodo Lodo in, in Denver so it is That's in the rain,
1: Lodo. no that was a terrible golem <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it where is it? it I used to have it sometimes when the, oh, when god, the movies came out
0: it was terrifying
1: <laughs> <laughs> out of nowhere I'm going headphones
0: on <laughs> I was not prepared for that oh god uh <laughs> But it wants it. It wants. <laughs> no, just stop. It, you're embarrassing yourself, sir. Uh, this is. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, the the ballpark sits in. You want to do? I can just see in your yeah, eyes. I'm, you're you're I'm, holding it back. I, I, can,
1: what, I got possessed. I was possessed. <laughs> but um,
0: yeah, so so it sits in a city. It sits in a city, but you don't feel it. You know, when you go to other ballparks, you can tell that you can feel that you're sitting in an urban environment, which I like. I like the kind of juxtaposition of uh, office buildings looking into a ballpark or the hustle and bustle of, you know, men and women in in briefcases and suits and all that stuff walking around. But then there is uh, a picnic happening right next door. But in Denver, I think much like the, the... kind of vibe of the entire town together, you know, all, all around. It is just very laid back, very just nature first, very beautiful, very relaxing. You know, I love sitting along the first base side uh, on the second deck and or if not sitting there, at least venturing up there uh, during the later innings when the sunset is about to happen, yeah. because for about 45 minutes, you get a different view of the Rocky Mountains in the distance. And it's it's stunning. I mean, it is gorgeous. And, and to be able to look at that and then look down and see
1: baseball <laughs> happening is just heavenly. Yeah, so I yeah I highly recommend going out there and checking out a game. At yeah, stadium, and you know spend a little time in a cool town too. It's I like, can't
0: remember. Did you have the uh, the micro that that uh, the 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 beer that I don't they? Drink, I don't drink beer. Yeah, you're I not a really beer like guy, beer. so cause that was I've that, that tried, was the problem. I've
1: tried. I've gone to like specialty microbrewery places. I'm like, I don't like beer. <laughs> I like wine. I like whiskey. Sure. Give me something sure. to try because I'm willing to try because people yeah of course love beer who love things mm-hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> nope yeah nope don't like it
0: yeah unfortunately like is that we, I think I mentioned on the podcast we are the world's worst baseball podcast as far as that's concerned just because you don't really like beer and I'm sober so yeah. it's we can't really enjoy the the. Uh, adult beverages and the festivities at, at the ballpark. But uh, my buddy Ryan Rindler, who we had stayed with uh, when we were in Denver and, and brought him to the game, he has gone to several Rockies games with me and uh, he attests that he enjoys the, the microbrewery that is located within uh, Coors Field and, and apparently it is a very delicious beer.
1: Well, I had the delicious, you know, build-your-own salad moment in, in Coors Field <laughs> that I was very happy with. I can't remember what I
0: ate there. I'm not sure. I did not. I'm sorry, folks. I did not try the Rocky, Mo- the Rocky Mountain oysters. You know, which no, are, please. Okay, we, we won't. We won't even get into what those actually are. No, Google it no, if you're interested. No. Uh, but <laughs> Rindler had one once when we went no. there before, but hey, you know, hey, once again, people Stop who it. like things. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, fine. So. If you want to hear more about uh, Anthony and I's thoughts on on Coors Field, we did do an entire episode of us uh, being at a game at Coors Field. Uh, But right now, you know, I've got uh, I want to let you guys go because the uh, rounding third episode we have attached to this is quite long and uh, has a couple of actually really fun uh, interview moments where uh, I chat with a ball hawk. uh, a gentleman who catches balls out there in Coors Field, and we chat a little bit, and then also uh, Bruce Hellerstein, who is the—I uh, um, always blank on the name. What is that? What is it called when someone doesn't own the a museum, but kind of—it uh, 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 starts with the C. Oh my curator? goodness! Curator. Thank you. I—I I swear to God that that word falls out of my head all the time. The curator. The curator. Oh goodness, I'm just not cultured. Uh, a, the curator of uh. The National Ballpark Museum, which, uh, as, wants the curator. this is just, oh, this is getting sad. Uh, <laughs> uh but Bruce and I chat about, uh, the National Ballpark Museum, which as you have heard me say on this podcast countless times is the best ballpark museum on the planet earth, better than Cooperstown, better than any other baseball museum that houses ballpark memorabilia. Uh, so you should definitely go check that out. Uh, the next time you are in the Denver area uh is there anything else you'd like to say about uh colorado um i can't really talk about it on a family-friendly show Uh. (laughs) Ah, all right well i think we all know what that was all about so uh yeah colorado is great for many many reasons uh so go visit have fun enjoy yourself uh and uh, yeah hope you guys will like the riding third episode that is coming up next we will see you uh next time here in the clubhouse we're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion. So please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special, or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, please take a look at our archives, like our chat with Tony Award-winning composer Tom Kitt. In this clip, Tom reveals that his father was actually
1: a minor league pitcher with the Yankees. My father uh, is a former professional baseball player. My father actually was drafted by the Yankees. My father has a lot of expertise and often will expound his, uh, his wisdom <laughs> for the for the game. But um, yes. But those are the kinds of conversations. And you know, if a guy is, if my dad, my dad was a left-handed pitcher and threw in the in the upper nineties, and he was a starter. But if he's going and he's feeling good, let the guy throw. Absolutely. Know, at the end of the day, your best pitcher, righty lefty, is going to be a better matchup than a weaker guy. Who, who might have a, a curveball advantage, you know. Welcome, everybody,
0: to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jain. Today's episode is the Colorado Rockies and Coors Field. Now, as you can note out loud from the running time, this is a little bit of a longer podcast uh, than you might be used to, and that is because I was lucky enough to uh, conduct a more of a lengthy sit-down interview with an amazing man named Bruce Hellerstein. Bruce is the curator of the National Ballpark Museum, formerly known as Bee's Ballpark Museum, located in the lower downtown uh, neighborhood of Denver, off of 20th and Blake, conveniently right outside of Coors Field. Now, I'm going to say this without hyperbole, no exaggeration, This is the best collection of ballpark memorabilia I have ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Bruce and I will get more into the specifics about the museum in the interview, so I don't want to ruin that for you, but uh, I'm going to tell you that this is not just memorabilia from Denver um, or from uh, the Colorado Rockies. This is, you know, he's got seats, he's got bricks, he's got pieces of walls, he's got pieces of 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 just some of the most historic baseball stadiums in the country and he's got them all and it is i'm telling you i i talk about it a little bit in the interview getting chills walking through that that museum and i literally just got chills again um thinking back (laughs) to my time i mean i spent about i'm gonna say an hour and a half two hours inside uh um, this place and if it wasn't for the rockies game that i was going to that night i probably would have stayed a lot longer um this is something where I've recommended you guys do quite a few things, you know, do the ballpark tours or come visit some of the stadiums, you know, some of the halls of fame are, are fun to do, but thus far this is this this wins. So far this is the absolute without a shadow of a doubt no competition top of my list. If there's one place in this country that you need to go to if you're a baseball fan, it is the National Ballpark. Ball, oh, excuse me. I got so excited I can't even talk. The National Ballpark Museum, right there in in Lower Downtown Denver. I realize that I I sound like I am doing some sort of paid advertisement or I am doing a commercial for this place, but I assure you I am not. I am just this excited about what that place has to offer. Um, in addition to just having, honestly, probably the best collection of stadium history that I've ever seen, and that includes Cooperstown. Uh, we touched on that a little bit in the, uh, in the interview. Um, Bruce himself is just a bastion of Denver baseball knowledge. You know, He is a guy that I talked to, uh, you're like, you hear it coming up, it's about a half an hour interview where I'm telling you, if, if I didn't have to go to the game, I honestly probably would have talked to him for another hour or two for the podcast. But unfortunately, we had to cut it a little bit short. Um, Bruce is a guy that he was involved in the building of Coors Field and kind of the design aspect of that. And he's got some interesting comments to say about what he thinks about how big the stadium has become. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Coors Stadium seats over 50,000 people, which for a baseball stadium, that's that's a lot. It's, it's hard to fill 50,000 seats, but uh, you're going to hear Bruce talk about that a little bit in the interview. Uh, but before I get to Bruce, uh, I want to just very, very briefly talk about my time at Coors Field, um, and then I promise you I'm going to get right into the interview so this podcast doesn't become five hours long. The game that I went to uh, at Coors Field featured the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Colorado Rockies. And on the Los Angeles Dodgers was a young man named Yasiel Puig, which I'm sure we are all uh, familiar with at this point. And this was quite an interesting situation for me because my tour began on May 28th. And Yasiel Puig debuted in Major League Baseball on, I believe it was June 3rd. It was early June. So he actually debuted after I had already jumped on the road. And so because of that, I was unable to really watch a lot of uh, his games. You know, I I caught a highlight or two um, when I could. But for the most part, you know, when I'm living on the road, I really don't really have access to the MLB network or to... um, even ESPN in some of the places where I'm at. So it's it's tough to to track some of the out-of-town games. Uh, now, that being said, every single stadium that I've been to since early June, somebody has wanted to ask me my opinion of Yasiel Pui. I mean, he is the new talk of Major League Baseball. It actually turned into essentially this Paul Bunyan-esque Type legend every single stadium I went to somebody had some crazy story of watching him hit the ball 450 feet or watching him you know misread the cutoff man and throw it a bullet from a right field over the third baseman's head or a situation where he overran first base or tried to stretch a single into a double or got thrown out I mean just everybody had some sort of story to tell about Yasiel Puig so finally After hearing his name, week after week, stadium after stadium, city after city, everywhere I go, pwee, 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 it's all everybody wants to talk about, I actually get to see this kid play live. Well, he's no Paul Bunyan, but he sure makes baseball an exciting game to watch. In this game, he went three for five with a double and a 450 plus foot home run, but he also wildly struck out twice and got thrown out trying to uh, steal second base. So this kid makes it interesting And he's got a lot of power, and he's got a lot of speed, and he's got a great arm. But I don't know. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how he can play in the long term. You know, he has definitely sparked that Dodger team, and he's got a lot of raw talent. But let's be careful here about crowning him the next Joe DiMaggio or the next Bo Jackson quite yet. Um, Let's let him get a little bit of dirt in his spikes and play for a couple years and, you know, maybe play, let's say, a full season. Before we crown him the king of all everything, how quickly we forget and we essentially just move on from Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado and all the other great young kids right now that are making baseball a fun sport to watch. Um, Yasiel Puig will add his name to the list, but he doesn't go to the top quite yet. But that's enough about the Dodgers. This podcast is about the Rockies and Coors Field. Uh, Before the game, I was able to meet up with a gentleman by the name of Brian, uh, which you can see a picture of Brian on the website at net, And Brian is a gentleman with a very well-manicured beard who has become a bit of a fixture there at Coors Field, at least in recent memory, as he patrols the center field area and catches home run balls. He's been featured on MLB's Cut 4, and he graciously took a couple of minutes during batting practice. I took him away from his ball-chasing activities and just chatted with me about what it's like to catch a ball during a live game. So uh, this is going to be a brief uh, three, four-minute interview with Brian, and then after that, we'll come back, and I will lead you into my uh, longer interview with Bruce from the National Baseball Museum. So enjoy. All right. So I'm here with Brian and we are at uh, Coors Field here. Batting practice is just getting underway and uh, he's got some awesome stories about catching balls and he's got quite the majestic beard as it has been coined by Major League Baseball. Thanks for joining me today, Brian. Uh, No problem. Thank you. So, uh, you know, you've got these season tickets here that are uh, in center field and there's plenty of room for you to catch some balls. Roughly, do you, can you uh, put a a number on how many balls you've caught throughout uh, your life?
2: Um, just this season. I've got four down here, um, all clean catches, and then uh, one in uh, Angel Stadium this, uh, uh, this last month in June, uh, which was, uh, just hit straight to me in the bleachers, so that was, uh, I guess, more lucky than these are down here. I got, I got room to move down here, So, uh, but they've all been within five seats or so.
0: Well, and remember, these are game balls. These aren't batting practice balls. These aren't foul balls. These are home runs.
2: Yep, game home runs, so uh, yep, the special, special balls for sure.
0: So, uh, what is the, the you see, There's a video that we're gonna have on the website of you uh, not so much robbing, but snatching a ball
2: from who was it? Uh, I was hit uh, off Mark Kotze in the uh, the Padres. His first time up the bat uh, as a pitch hitter in uh, a long time, and uh, so nobody expected to hit one a dead center, and uh, it came right to me pretty much. And uh, Dexter Fowler, the Rockies player, um, was up waist high over the fence, and I kind of just sat back and caught what he missed but uh all my fans thought that i stole it from my own player so it was uh it was it was a rough moment having the whole bleacher section boo me but uh, um as the replay shows uh it was a clean catch and uh, i did all i could to uh stay out of his way um other way around the fence uh you you can get right up on it so uh, once it crosses that plane of the yellow vertically across it uh you know if that was the other team i'd be right up in it and you know knocking the ball away from them so uh you got you got to stay on your toes for sure like any good fan would and for all the uh
0: the listeners out there you can check out the video at the site i'll have it posted up there and you can make the judgment for yourself but i've seen the video and i'm, I'm pretty sure i'm gonna call it a clean catch uh so how long have you been coming to games here at uh, coors field
2: um uh, moved here from milwaukee area in uh, 2007 uh, the year they went to the world series so um uh, i've been coming since 2007 to coors field here um baseball fan my whole life but uh um last couple seasons uh um 30 games last year i have already got almost 50 this year i've only missed a couple uh with the season tickets now so so
0: is this your first year as a season ticket holder
2: uh it is yes
0: okay so now what would you recommend for other home run chasers or ball chasers do you have any advice or any tips on what they could do
2: mm, try and get in these seats down here uh, we got uh, about 10 15 feet deep and uh um, not crowded the seats are uh, a foot apart but uh, it's pretty rare so um you know i, I like the front row um the all the all the stadiums uh, and teams websites now have uh, you can pick your own seat basically uh, off a seat map on the on the websites now so um, you know just go there left field right field um, just front row so you got you know a little bit of room to work around with um, uh, but yeah I mean some of it's blind luck but you know left field's always always a good bet so. So what was the
0: most exciting catch you've ever had?
2: Um Probably the first one it bounced off of some guys that didn't have their gloves so all those people that make fun of an adult bringing their glove to a game uh, um, paid off that day because it smacked some guys right on the right on the fence and uh, I was just behind them and caught that but uh, um, caught uh, one from cargo too which is a um, you know a line drive home run um, but they've all been clean catches out of a glove for the most part and uh, they're, they're all they're all awesome especially when you got a few few beers in you that makes it even more interesting
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then last question so then what is it can be either catching a ball or just you know coming out to the ballpark having a good time what is just your favorite moment here at coors field
2: um God, it's so hard i mean i would say that my favorite moments are um the, the evening games the sunsets here um it's insane um if you're sitting first base side you can see the mountains we're we're facing uh, east but uh y- you'll see it in an, in an hour or two um the, the sunsets here are amazing, and they change uh, for about a half hour. Um, by the minute, uh, it, it's awesome. So once it cools down to 75, and uh, those uh, those colors through the sky, I mean nothing nothing beats it. So. So I'm
0: so as I said, I'm doing the 30 Stadium tour. Is there anything else you think I need to do here at at, Colorado, at uh, Coors Field that's unique about this ballpark?
2: Um. Um, You know, unless you want to challenge me in speed pitch. uh, (laughs) um, No, I mean, just check it, just walk around. Like I said, if you get up on first base side, you can see the mountains and stuff. Yeah, we're
0: sitting actually right behind Cool. Yeah, the
2: sun's brutal uh, facing to the west there, but the the mountain backscape, I mean, you know, nothing beats it. So, um, otherwise, yeah, I mean, just take a tour around and uh, take in the sights. It's a beautiful, beautiful stadium, beautiful town, so.
0: I really appreciate taking the time to talk to me today. Sure, thank
2: you very much. Welcome, welcome to Colorado. Thank you so much.
0: And we're back. I wanted to thank Brian for taking a couple of minutes during batting practice to chat with me about what it takes to catch a home run ball. Uh, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast since the beginning, you'll know that that is a skill that has eluded me, low, these many years, and it's something that I would really like to get better at. Uh, he gave us some great advice about how to pick your seats and always bringing a glove to the park and just kind of always being alert and aware, watching the ball come off the bat. But ultimately, I think for me, I'm five foot six. When the ball comes off the bat, everyone stands up and the canopy of normal sized human beings engulfs me and I just, the ball disappears. So maybe if I'm lucky, the ball will fall through everyone else's hands and I can pick it up off the ground. But unless I hit a second growth spurt, I don't think I'm going to be catching any balls off the fly anytime soon. But enough of my nonsense. It's time for the main event. It's time for the conversation that I had so much fun having and that I cannot wait for you all to listen to. Uh, Now, I said at the beginning of this podcast, and I'm going to say it again, this gentleman, Bruce Hellerstein, is curator of a museum that everybody on this planet needs to visit. If you consider yourself a baseball fan of any type, I don't care where you live, you need to get on a plane, on a train, in a car, whatever your favorite mode of transportation is, and get to Denver. I miss this place already. You know, it's not even as if this is some giant warehouse full of memorabilia. You know, it's actually a relatively small storefront, but it is just so jam packed with relics from a bygone era that you could feel like you could spend just days hanging out in there and, and, and reliving moments from your past and from years where, at least in my case, I was not even alive for. So, without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to Bruce Hellerstein and the National Ballpark Museum. So I'm sitting here with uh, the owner of Bee's Baseball Museum, Bruce Hallerstein. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, well, thanks
3: so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I might just clarify one thing. Um, this is a 501c3 nonprofit museum. So um, I, my wife and I donated our collection to it. So, oh, okay. It's owned by its own corporation. Now. Oh, I'm sorry. I, oh, I apologize well, but for I that. I just want to make sure on that. You bet. No,
0: absolutely. So uh, before I get going, I'm just going to shower with you with a little bit of praise here because (laughs) uh, I was told that this had one of the best uh, collections of memorabilia in the world. And of course, you're always a little bit skeptical when you hear something like that. Right. I have to say that this by far has been the best baseball museum I have ever been to in my entire life, save for Cooperstown. Cooperstown has yet a little bit more, but that's all right. But... Outside of Cooperstown, this is the, the unique... Actually, you've got some stuff here that, that Cooperstown, I'm sure, would love to uh, get their hands on. So, um, thank,
3: thank you so Thank you very, very much. That's the ultimate compliment.
0: So, how long have you been collecting
3: uh, memorabilia for? Uh, my entire life, ever since I opened my eyes. Uh, <laughs> um, it's it just something that uh, I had a love and passion for, uh, for every day I can remember back. Um, it just... Uh, um, I guess the first experience that happened, the old uh, show and tell that you'd have in grade school. And uh, I was like in second grade. And one of the gals in the class, remember her name is Carol, said, I went to a Denver Bears game at Bear Stadium. And it was like uh, I was possessed. I ran home and said, you got to take me. So that's where it all started. So was that your first baseball game ever? Was my first baseball game ever. Yeah. Wow, that is quite, quite an experience. Yeah. So it it was great. I mean, it was not only great, it was a uh, calling. And, it, um, and Bear Stadium was just beautiful. What a magnificent ballpark. And uh, just saw some incredible ballplayers. And uh, uh, I don't feel I missed a beat not growing up in a major league city having the experience I had. Yeah, well, you know that's so as I'm
0: doing this major league yeah. tour, my my next stop next year, what I'm assuming I'm going to do is do the, actually the minor league tours. I'm going to really tour that because to right. me, as much as I adore uh-huh. major league baseball, minor league baseball is really where the true beauty of the game can can be seen. And just that, there's no better experience to me than going to a minor league baseball game. Right, and you're watching guys chasing their dream. Exactly, it is so pure it and beautiful. So pure.
3: It, it is. I mean, these guys are out there with their their. Uh, their are girlfriends or wives and they're they're chasing a dream. It, it's it's a totally different experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so outside of that
0: Bears mm-hmm. experience, what was your first uh, experience in a major league ballpark?
3: Well, it was, uh, th- this tells a lot about me. <laughs> Here I'm at a, uh, I was um, about 12 or 13 years old and my cousin in Kansas City was getting married and they had all these weekend plans for the wedding. And what did I do? I dragged my family to a KC Municipal Stadium to watch the A's play the uh, Minnesota Twins. Saw Harmon Killebrew hit a home run. See, saw Jim Cott pitch. I mean, I mean, just think of this. I mean, you got a 12 or 13 year old kid taking people away, family, from this big wedding weekend, and that that tells a lot about what I'm about. <laughs> that is the way to do it. And it sounds like you had a lot of power as a 12 year old to drag everybody and say, "No, we're going to a ball game." It was, it was a calling. I mean, it just. Uh, my My passion is I think very contagious, and people uh just line up i today instead of taking people to ball games necessarily, I take them to museums so that 's the difference
0: well that's so i 'm here today with actually a friend of mine this is the first so i 've been doing this uh, this is i think day thirty three or thirty four of mm-hmm. of my tour This is the first time I brought a buddy of mine with me, and you know he's he 's a baseball fan but right. he 's not really like us, you know, right. <laughs> we're, we're, we're unique in that sense. sense. But I do really like taking him to museums like this because baseball is kind of the only sport, in this country at least, with just such a rich, beautiful history, you know, and, and football and basketball and hockey, they haven't been around long right. enough yet, and they haven't gone through the maturation process that baseball does. So, yeah, these museums, I think, are so important to preserve the history of, of the game.
3: Oh, w- without a doubt. In fact, um, uh, I had heard or read that they put out more, baseball, new baseball books each year than all the other sports put together for their history. I mean, I can't keep up with all the books. Well,
0: I'm actually going to will throw a quick plug in for a friend of mine, Ron Kaplan, who oh. just uh, published a book called "The 500 Books Every Baseball Fan Must Read Before He Dies." Oh my goodness! And actually, you know what? I was talking to him, and he said that uh, it was originally going to be the 1,001 books every baseball oh, because there goodness. are so many. But he pared it down to 500 because yeah, there are so many baseball books it, that are made every it year.
3: Is. and I mean, just—they all have their um, their uniqueness to them. Now, one of the things that I've done as a quote focus or specialty is getting my hands on, for the museum, every book on, on ballparks that I can. And so um, I like to think that I've got, you know, uh, 100% comprehensive collection, but just knowing how fast they come out, I'm not sure that's the case. But it's, it's challenging. I mean, uh, just zeroing in on just one aspect like that uh, just shows the, the proliferation of, of uh, books put out. Oh, exactly, yeah. There are so many great books just about, like you said,
0: just the most niche, you know, uh, ideas, and it, you just you segment it so much into it's going to be about, you know, either just one stadium, or I know there it was, I'm not sure if it was a book or a website I'd seen, what was, like, The Vegetarian's Guide to the Ballparks, where it was just basically oh, about uh-huh. the vegetarian options at each one of these parks. So it's really great how people have such these unique insights to, to what is special about each park.
3: A- absolutely, and, and just like you're touring all the ballparks, um, and it just, uh, the ballparks to me, and my love for baseball is so tremendous, but my my love and passion for ballparks takes it up a notch. Um, it's just something I've always, always been fascinated. In fact, when uh, I went to my first ball game, I was more fascinated with Bear Stadium than anything else. Uh, it was just, it's, I always had this fa- uh, uh, wonder in my mind is, when the Denver Bears would go on road trips, what these other ballparks look like. Because I listened to the radio <laughs> broadcast, and the radio broadcasts are really to describe it all that much. And I, I just was very intrigued. But it just, uh, I mean, for obvious reasons, uh, ballparks are, are unique. Um, other sports don't have that uniqueness. And it just, to me, it's, it's um, especially with the, the, the 14 classic ballparks, the all-time ballparks, they were defined by their envi- uh, neighborhoods, by their s- street constraints, and so forth. Their urban um, environment, and um, it—you um, look at Coors Field. To me, and my personal f- feeling about Coors Field, is it gets its its charm by being here in Lodo, lower downtown. Uh, historic district. If you stuck this place in the middle of the suburbs, I think it would have zero charm. Today, of the truth.
0: Well, you know, it's something that I've said uh, over and over again. One of the things that I find truly beautiful mm-hmm. about the ballparks is that so you've got essentially this this park where a bunch of grown men are wearing essentially pajamas and hitting a, a <laughs> right. you know a, a stick. You know, they're playing stickball basically. Right. Right. And then in most of these cities, right next door are big sky rises with men in suits going doing very important jobs uh-huh. and briefcases and all that. And just the juxtaposition of that park right next to that, that, that offices is something that, I don't know, I just feel is is the perfect encapsulation of the kind of the American spirit that, you know, we work hard, but we also like to play, you know, just as hard and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I don't like it when the stadiums are so far away from the city. They need to be in the heart of everything you going do do. on.
3: It's so interesting you brought that up because – with your your connection with uh, old Tiger Stadium, I mean, my gosh, you're in this kind of tough neighborhood, uh, very urban to say the least. And the experience of walking into Tiger Stadium, if one has not done that before, uh, description doesn't do it justice. All I know is you walk into a green paradise. And it's an experience of all the ballparks I've ever been to, nothing was quite like walking into Tiger Stadium.
0: I'm a little bit biased, but I, I agree 100%. Yeah. That was the, one of the saddest days of my life is when, you know, they, they unfortunately decided to tear that down. And that, you know, I have a friend of mine that lives actually preaching that in Michigan and Trumbull right uh-huh. across the street from the stadium. Uh-huh. And so we were able to, from his window, basically just watch the destruction of that, oh, which was...
3: It's, just, it's such a shame that uh, they did... You know, you look at this country and we can't tear things down fast enough. You go to Europe and it's just the opposite... But Tiger Stadium, uh, I think the thing that fascinated me as much as anything is those big, huge light towers out there and just the acoustics and being inside there. uh, I mean, you talk about shutting out the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were in uh, fantasy land inside there.
0: So it sounds like you've been to, you know, quite a few ballparks. You know, what is, you know, thus far, what has been your favorite experience in any major
3: league ballpark? Oh my goodness! I know it's a it's, a, it's a big question. That's like ask me if I like uh, my which of my daughters best. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it it it's so impossible. Let me put it this way: if um, and I kid about that, but half kid is if old Yankees original Yankee Stadium was around. I'm talking about the very original one. That's where I would love to have been buried. Believe me. That that growing up as a kid, um, unfortunately, I only saw it on TV and. And pictures of it, but that that would have been the place. That would have been the place. Um, each of these classic ballparks are also unique and different. Uh, to compare Wrigley and, and Fenway, the two that exist today, is and, and thrown in Tiger, since it was relatively recent. I mean, all three are so different and also great. Um, I um, it, it and I went to Crosley Field. Was the first classic ballpark I went to back in 1968, and Crosley Field, uh, Home of the Reds, it was fabulous. I mean, to say, well, do I like Crosley better, as compared to Wrigley or Fenway, it's like, I mean, they're, they're three totally different experiences.
0: All right, so then not, maybe not the ballparks themselves, yeah. but how about just is there one memory that sticks out in your mind of just being in one of the ballparks, and whether it was for a big game or, or being with you know your children or anything like that, just one memory that sticks out that says this encapsulates, you know, this is the quintessential baseball experience that I'm feeling right now.
3: Well, what I did, uh, I have two daughters, and I thought, well, I'll give it one last shot before they go off with their friends and don't want to do anything with that anymore. <laughs> So they're both in high school. They had never been to any other ballparks other than uh, Mile High Stadium and Coors Field. So I'll never forget when I went up how the old ballparks were. We took them to Wrigley, that was our first stop, then we went to Fenway and Tiger Stadium, but Wrigley was the first one. We went up the steps that you, you lead up to uh, uh, off-ground level, uh, street level, and unlike like the Coors Field of the worlds where you go down, uh, into a bowl type thing. So anyway, I walk up the steps and my, I just was staring at my daughter's faces and both of them said the same thing at the same time, I swear. Daddy, this place is so tiny. <laughs> it's not tiny, it's intimate. There's 40,000 <laughs> seats here. And that to me told so much of the story um, and, and here my daughters expressed it so well. This place is tidy. I loved it. I want to ask you just one a couple more questions yeah. you had mentioned
0: about um, you were involved in the design aspect right. of uh, uh, Coors Field here. So can you just take me a little bit
3: through about what your involvement was with that? Yes, yeah, so I was a pain in the rear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this was a personal, my personal ballpark, and don't screw it up. But in all seriousness, uh, I worked on the de- Coors Field Design Committee, and prior to that, the Denver Baseball Commission. Uh, but the thing with the Design Committee and worked with HOK, the architects, and those guys were great. But I'll tell you, I wasn't holding anything back because I knew this was a once in a lifetime thing and I didn't want to have, well, why didn't I say this or that? And I, I pumped from day one, I said, you got to have this place look like Ebbetsfield at the corner of 20th and Blake at the home plate entrance. And they bought off on it. And they said, send me every picture you have. And believe me, I did. <laughs> so what you have out here on the corner of the home plate uh, entrance is Field, And uh, that was... Um, That was incredible I mean it uh, how do do I describe such a feeling having such a personal uh, involvement all I can say is the experience I had on those two commissions without a doubt are the funnest times of my life I had I mean could you imagine being in a room with the architects and discussing how you're ballpark's going to be that's a dream come true no i mean it's that's, that's a amazing dream. Yeah. it is
0: i mean I, I, I don't even know i actually as you mentioned this yeah. i don't think i could even dream about that's not even a dream that i have that's one of those things that it would never happen
3: no, so it, it just it, it, and here again it wasn't necessarily planned it just oh you have a committee for the design where do i sign up because I, so fortunately uh you know i had uh, uh a lot of people that that I was involved with with the baseball commission, so they uh, they thought it would be a good fit for me. And uh, but I I um, I just and, and one of the big things that I hit uh, hard is that uh, don't make it too big. And they did. And in my opinion, you know, I mean that's and I understand why. You know, they we drew seventy, eighty thousand people to a game at Mile High Stadium. So but you can't sustain make, that. I know, but we better make this really big. But in the meantime, I think they might have taken that step from a ballpark to a stadium. I mean, you can debate that all you want. In my personal preference, I like to keep it around 40,000 capacity. Coors Field is 50. And I think they just overstepped the bounds uh, a little bit. And I think... uh, But without that being said, I think Coors Field is an uh, incredible experience. Uh, Is it Wrigley Field? Is it the Mona Lisa of the classic ballparks? No... No way at all, in my mind. Uh, Coors Field is nice, but it's Lely. It's not a Wrigley Field. And I'll tell you, as an example, the museum here is what uh, uh, 100 yards away or, or less. I can't hear a damn thing going on over there. I can't hear the crowd. I can't hear their PA announcer. If I was, I've had this experience at Wrigley Field. Every time I go there, I can be three blocks away and I can hear everything going on. The acoustics of the old ballparks. I, in fact, I was listening to a Rockies game the other night. We were playing a road game at Fenway, and my God, I heard these radio broadcasts. It was like the acoustics. I could hear everything. The fans were clapping. I just, you don't, the old ballparks, and you speak of like Tiger Stadium, and the upper deck is like, I mean, you could stick your hand, you swear. You could hear the, the ball hit in the grass. You're so on top of it. Uh, and I don't think people realize, having not gone to the old ballparks, that part of it. They can look all the pictures in the world, but to experience that is a whole different thing.
0: No, absolutely. So uh, I want to quickly just uh, give me the exact address of where this museum is, because uh, for everybody that's listening to this, and in the future, you know, on the website, everywhere, this legitimately, thus far, at least in my lifetime, has been the best collection of Baseball memorabilia in one place I, I probably have ever seen as far as the uniqueness goes. So just tell me real quick what's wow, the exact thank address? Thank you very
3: very much. I, I believe me that uh, that really hits it's my heart big time. Uh, 1940 Blake Street, uh, we're literally a center field throw distance wise from the home plate entrance. So if you go out to our front porch, we're caddy corner from the home plate entrance at Coors field. You take a baseball and you could throw it to the home plate entrance if you got a pretty strong arm
0: and tell me and the last question what do you think is your i know this might be tough as well what is the crown jewel of your collection what's the one thing that you know if you had to run out and just take one thing with you what's the what's
3: your most uh prized uh, I possession love, here I love things like that i would say boy that's that is such a hard question <laughs> that really really is um if i could answer that two ways okay I have a collage of a um, uh, baseball uh, oil canvas painting where the museum all started in my basement of our family and everything collage of ballparks. That that is without the doubt, doubt the one that hits my heart the most. But I'm probably the only one that has sentimental value except for my family. But looking at a true artifact, um, that is really really hard to say. Um, it was it's. I want to say the Ebbets Field rotunda light fixtures um, because, and, and it's not a stretch to say that when people are standing underneath these lights, it's the only place on the face of the earth that they can experience that. I mean, that, that is almost like a religious experience. I mean, you can say, well, you know, you got this piece and you got that piece, but just to have those lights shining above you um, is almost a, a spiritual uh, thing that, that you're experiencing. And, and there's no other place on earth where you can experience that. I mean, you could go to Cooperstown every day the rest of your life. You're not going to see that there. Well, and not only in, in Cooperstown, like I said, no. Cooperstown, it's got the, the breath.
0: You know, it's got just how, you know, it's got so much of right. it. But right. the, you, you used the word intimate earlier.
3: The intimacy of, so look right now here. Tell everybody, what what, what are we sitting on right now? This is a uh, actual bench from the uh, bleachers at Wrigley, and they took it in a wood bench they took these out in 2005, so they're now aluminum. So, uh, and these, this bench could date, date back to the 1930s, um, and we, I'm not sure if there's another bench like this floating around today.
0: Well, and you've gotten, I was saying, you know, as a Tigers fan, you've got the last home run ever hit, the grand slam, in, uh, against the Royals right. in '99, you've got that ball, which is phenomenal. well, it's an
3: autograph ball. I wish it was the ball. Oh, it's, not, it's an
0: autograph ball. Okay. okay. I
3: wish it was the ball. Okay, well,
0: it's an autograph yeah. ball from that game. Yeah. And then probably my, the thing that gave me my first chill, I've gotten chills about four times that I've been in here, but uh-huh. the first one was that drain uh, pipe from the Yankees. Uh, what, oh, it was 1950? It was a 51 oh, right. series uh, where Mantle blew out his knee. Right. And so you've got a drain from, from that game there, which is just, that's, that's well, surreal. Well,
3: you mentioned four. I, I'm real curious on the other three that, that hit you. Um, um,
0: okay, well, let's see here. So obviously the light fixtures, uh-huh. that got me. Um, where else was I? Um, uh, oh, the the uh, um, out in the front of, front there, the turnstiles for uh, um. Oh, okay. That got me, uh-huh. and then where where am I? Sorry, I'm I'm trying to figure out what the fourth one was. Oh, the other one was for the uh, turnstiles here for Yankee Stadium. Oh, okay. With, for the house that Ruth built, right? That 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 there you go. That's look, I've been a lifetime Yankee hater. All right, I that's that's yeah. on record. But I feel like 29 out of 30 teams are are Yankee haters, but. I have such a special place in my heart. I I was not, unfortunately, born for the old, old, old Yankee Stadium. uh So I was only able to go to the renovated version and now this newest one. And that breaks my heart that I never... And I see a lot of old footage from the old Yankee Stadium. And growing up, I always felt... And now I'm beginning to learn, I'm not the only one who thought this, that Monument Park is where those guys were buried. Like, I always... (laughs) That was something that I was genuinely, like, petrified of when I was a seven, eight-year-old kid. And so to be able to... That's the biggest thing that you allow, you know, to be able to touch that turnstile... And know that someone back in the nineteen twenties or thirties walked through that turnstile to go to a game. There's something really, I it really touches me in a way that that very few other things can. But you know,
3: certainly preaching the choir. This, this is so great to get your feedback because each and every person that comes here has a little different something, but the things you mentioned are, are just great. And and what I've tried to do here in the museum is is to. You, you can't duplicate, but try to recreate what these old ballparks were like. And so, what we're doing is we're not only celebrating our national pastime, we're we're celebrating its its ballparks, and specifically its its classic ballparks. And we're talking about ballparks that were built a hundred years ago, and they're not going to build them again.
0: No, I mean, absolutely they not. They
3: can say all they want about these retro parks. In my opinion, at least, they're they're. I mean. I use this example when I give tours here. I mean, you look at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh, and being on the design committee of Coors Field, if I were to sit in that room and raise my hand and say, hey, I got a great idea here. Let's put Coors Field in the middle of the University of Denver campus in a residential. They would have locked me up and, and taken them away to the crazy house. Well, guess what? That's where Forbes Field was located, right in the middle of the University of Pittsburgh campus in a me- beautiful Shenley Park. They're not going to do these things again. That's so. What we're experiencing are things that they say history repeats. I don't believe it with ballparks.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying to keep this whole tour yeah. as positive as possible, yeah. and and you know, my my listeners and my readers have have heard my thoughts on the yeah. Marlins ballpark. Yeah. But have you been? To I the, have. I have. And actually, before I say, what what do you think about it?
3: Well. It's certainly contemporary, to say the least. <laughs> and and my understand, we my wife and I got a personal tour there. Um, and uh, my understanding is the architects uh, it was it populist that took the successor to HOK were the same architects that did tar- uh, Target uh, Field in uh, Minneapolis. So there's a lot of that kind of curved and, and contemporary look to it. I guess. I just have a real problem with any kind of uh, retractable dome or whatever they call them. Uh, that, that certainly, but I understand that. The, the, I mean, my daughter lives in Seattle, and they didn't have a retractable dome. They wouldn't have major league baseball there. Seattle's
0: the only place that I accept a retractable dome. When I was in Miami, they had the roof closed, and it was only about 86, 87 degrees. That's ludicrous. That's,
3: that's ridiculous. I had the same experience in Houston, too. It's ridiculous. It's like they, they get obsessed with closing it. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, if you look at it, they track, and it's basically from... Late in May, basically for the rest of the season, it's closed every day. It's
3: crazy, yeah. Um, I I would say the when I look at um, the new ballparks, and I and I've had the great fortune to be in every one. There, my wife and I and I had taken trips all over to to see these places. Um, they're all dear for to me, I get back to the, the natural constraints and not the contrived constraints uh, of these ballparks. I think that, whatever they call it now, at and Park in San Francisco with the bay there certainly shortens up the right field. It has the 40,000. I love the idea of having the old flags uh, or having the ballpark uh, flags, uh, team flags on top of the ballpark up there, um, the outside of Yankee Stadium, the facade. PNC Park in Pittsburgh, uh Incredible backdrop, great size has the old uh, light standards of uh, Forbes Field. Um, And when I think of Coors Field, I think primarily of Lodo, the the historic district here. To me, that's what makes Coors Field. Um, And uh, it's you know if you picked up Wrigley Field and stuck it out in the suburbs, um, comparing it to Wrigleyville, that's kind of what you have going a little bit. So. I think the um, surroundings make a huge difference, if not the major difference. Oh,
0: I agree. I mean, going up yeah. to Camden and, and, and Baltimore and having mm-hmm. Utah Street there and when I used to live in D.C. and I had season tickets to the Orioles yeah. before the Nationals came to town and my favorite thing in the world is to take the train into the ballpark because the train lets you off right there exactly. outside. So it just felt like, oh, this feels like baseball. You right. come up on a train, you go out, you can go up and down Utah Street and you can, you know, it's, just, it's that, the atmosphere in, or Yawkey Way in, in Boston, you know, or Wrigleyville. You know, right. it is, you're right, You're at, the, the surrounding areas outside of the ballpark are just as important, if not more important, to the atmosphere as it is inside. And real quick, actually, I sure. remembered. So I, I was five chills. I just uh, remembered the seats with the bricks over there. Oh, uh-huh. that, that got me. The, actually, the seeing the, the collection of seats next uh-huh. to each other, I think you were saying, I think that's probably, and you're right, I've never seen that many unique different seats together. Like you, You'll see a seat from a ballpark here right, and there. Right. But to see them all in a row there yeah. and then the bricks that you have behind those, yeah. That
3: that got me actually. That really, really. That's it. beautiful. I love it. Thank you very much. And you know, here again, it's it's creating that feeling that you're standing at a place that might not exist any other place. Now, I won't go so far to say that there's not places because I have fellow collectors that have all the the stadium seats I have here, <clears throat> but they might be stuck away in some closet or someplace. But to actually on have a public on display. You just and, and Cooperstown, my guess, has maybe half these seats. Oh, at and also, well. You
0: know. so I, I started this tour in yeah. Cooperstown, and I was just kind of looking around. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, first of all, a lot of their seats are also behind glass, exactly. and a lot of their seats are, I think, honestly, if I remember correctly, I only saw, at least at the exhibit I saw, maybe four or five different parts. if that even, I yeah. think. There were very few actual stadium seats from mm-hmm. the old parks. So, yeah, to see, that, to see them all lined up here, I, I got some pictures of it I'll throw on the website. It's something that... You really, I mean, the, the photos don't do it justice. If you guys are coming down here for a Rockies game, you absolutely need to come down to this museum. It is, it's it's, worth more money than, than, than you know, anything that I've uh, well, paid in any can't other think museum.
3: for all the kind words on that. I really, really appreciate it. And just to kind of give a, a little uh, marketing boost is that uh, my wife and I have put everything in this museum, essentially coming from our pocketbook, uh, it is a 501c public museum, so uh, we love to have people that uh, would uh, consider, you know, making donations or grants or endowments. Um, we uh, that's how we survive. I mean, it's uh, if you guys want this place to survive, that you know, money drives uh, s- most everything in life, and. Uh, it, uh, and, and if we get those kind of things, that means we can get that much more special things here. So. Well,
0: do me a favor, uh, yeah. just let everybody know where they can go to, you know, if they're for more information about where to donate or is there a website or a phone number, just uh, please let me know.
3: You bet, absolutely. We've got, uh, of course, an internet site at uh, www.ballparkmuseum.com. Uh, you can, phone number wise, you can always call me. at My name is Bruce Hellerstein, 720 351 zero six six five and I always kid that geez I wish Billy Crystal would walk in here and and just say okay here you go here's a pocket full of cash <laughs> make this thing uh, you know uh, f- full of Mickey Mantle gloves or something you know it'd be, it'd be great to uh, have that But, you know it's it's something that uh, it's serving not only the 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 baseball community in large but also the Denver community and Colorado community. Uh, we feature, uh, I think, uh, you know, not uh, as humbly as I can say it, the best collection of Denver Bear uh, items here. And we're talking about 100 plus years of, of history. That's how I fell in love with the game. My, third ge- my wife and I are third generation Denverites. Um, so we're, c- we're celebrating baseball here in Colorado.
0: And, so. you know, one of the things that I love uh, is that. As you said, there is a great Denver history here. But on right. top of that, it's not just about Denver. So those of you who are listening who may not necessarily be Rockies right. fans or Denver fans, believe me, there is a tremendous amount of memorabilia from you know most of the major league uh, uh, ballparks here. So there's something here for everybody, it you know. Really and is. if you're just a baseball fan, more than anything, there's something special here, you because know, here in Colorado, you guys have only had you know the Rockies for right. about 21 years now. Right. But you know, their stuff here dates back you know 80, 90 years.
3: Oh yeah, I mean we got a league park seat that dates back 120 years. I mean, it's, um, uh, I have never experienced uh, a person walking in here and not finding something of interest uh, in one form or another. So. Uh, Well, thank
0: you so much. I really appreciate uh, you talking to me here. And if there's anything more you wanted to say?
3: Uh, Just a big thank you to you. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. And, um, you know, we're, we're preaching to the choir to each other. Exactly. I mean, it's I know. <laughs> but it's
0: nice to find other fans who are as you know. Because that's at the end of the day, that's it. We are both just fans. You know, no matter what, no matter what our involvement is with the game, I at least always feel like I'm just. I was born a fan, and I'm going to die a fan. No matter what I do in the game, that's that's well, it. Well, the
3: other thing too, and I'm glad you brought that up, is um, we uh, the museum used to be called uh, B, uh, my nickname B for Bruce B Apostrias Ballpark Museum, and we've. Established a trade name for that called the the national ballpark museum and uh, and we did that for for a very uh, important reason because we wanted to be the ballpark museum in this country and uh, there's no other museum in this country totally dedicated to ballparks, and that 's what we 're here for well you 're well on your way I mean like i said if i got, if I have any power in
0: the future, I will do whatever I can to make this the official museum because ballpark. this is this has been a really great experience. I wish that's the problem with this tour is that I'm only in each city for about 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could spend all day in here, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll most likely be coming back here sometime soon to spend a little bit more time.
3: Well, I cannot thank you enough. Thanks right. again. Yep, thank you, you so much, Bruce. You bet. Thank you.
0: So, there it is. There's my chat with Bruce Heatherstein. If you didn't fall in love with that man right there, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, he was so much fun to talk to. I honestly, I I would sat down with him thinking I was going to talk to him for maybe five, 10 minutes. I didn't want to take up too much of his time. And before I knew it, you know, 30 minutes had gone by. Um, You know, if I, like I I mentioned in the interview, you know, if I didn't have a a game to go to that night, I probably would have hung around him for the rest of the night. You know, it was just so much fun to talk baseball with him and learn all about the history of uh, baseball in Denver. And with that, we've come to the end of yet another episode of the podcast. Um, Before I get into my regular thank yous, I want to throw in a special thank you this time to Doug Adewill, the editor-in-chief of Mile High Sports Magazine, for hooking me up with Bruce to begin with. I really appreciate that, Doug. And um, everybody out there, if you are a fan of any type of Colorado sports, high school, college, or pro, you need to head on over to milehighsports.com. They have an absolutely wonderful magazine that you can subscribe to, and they've got radio shows you can listen to. It's just it's a great destination for all things Colorado sports. Um, in addition to that, obviously, I need to thank Blake White for the theme music. I want to thank Icarus Ronan for the web design and Krishna Jane for the photo editing. And it looks like my short time here in Denver is over. You know, I'm going to have to come back because I just had too much fun. But my tour must press on as I leave the mountains and head for the deserts. Arizona Diamondbacks, you're next on my list. Please make sure to check out my website at roundingthird.net, where you can check out photos and write-ups of all the different stadiums I've been to thus far. You can follow me on Twitter at roundingthirdmj. And if you have any questions for me whatsoever, you can email me at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. It's roundingthirdpodcast, all spelled out, at gmail.com. Thank you once again, and join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. The home base for the Clubhouse podcast is the Bragino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister—really anybody in your life—or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast, and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at Rounding Third MJ for me and at Albino Kid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.